yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I lay my money at a fast pace. Perfectly timed. We back, baby. Alright, we're back. We got uh, part two of the Chester Campbell story. A.K.A. Dr. Death, suckers. A.K.A. the the Angel of Death, or the Undertaker. Uh, Bugs in D.C., you both got a beer. D.C., you brought them. I'm actually a big fan. Yeah, so it's a a new Belgium, one of my favorite breweries. Um, This is their 1985 IPA. It's a mango flavor. Voodoo Ranger. I haven't had this one. It's okay. I don't like it as much as I like the juice. But I do like it. It's, it has a little bit of a different flavor to it. So I think I need a few more sips and then I'll have a better idea of how much I like it. But I definitely wouldn't pick this over the normal Voodoo Ranger juice. So you're... Where do you get off? <laughs> you're more of an experienced beer drinker. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, you got a more tasteful palate when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. However, all I know... I'm recently working at a craft brewery, so oh, I'm learning a lot. Okay. You know, it's it's kind of it's nice. I'm 22, mm-hmm. learning a lot, a good experience. However, IPAs have been horrible for me. Mm-hmm. I enjoy this. That's good. This is nice. So New Belgium, the Voodoo Rangers. I like the cans, mm-hmm. all that stuff, but the flavor on this one, the mangoes, it's kind of doing it, and it has the shutter shades. That's true. <laughs> The second that hit the shelves, my brother sent me a pic because uh, 1985, the year of our Lord, is when yours truly was born. Oh. So the second it came out, I wanted it, but it was gone. Like, it went off the shelf so quick. They had all the other Voodoo Rangers, yeah. which Voodoo Rangers like Cheerios. Like, you don't realize how many there is. So all of a sudden you see yeah. them all like, God damn, how is there like 32 Baskin Robbins of Voodoo Rangers <laughs> and shit? <laughs> But then I uh, finally grabbed them. Now you can find them everywhere. Like, they all restocked, and they're real good. I, I really like them. My favorite right now is the juice that's 9.5, and they make those in the tall. So it's easy to grab a quick one and get really nice off of, like, one or two of those. In all fairness, I never had that one, but I'm 1985 all day. They got me with the ear. <laughs> and the cool shutter shades. Right. Which is harder to say when you're drunk. That's like a drunk <laughs> Test, like how you shader shades. You want to put my shader sheds? It makes it tougher. I promise. <laughs> it's shady sheds. What are you drinking, Dan? Um, well, I'm going with a uh, Saugatuck Brewery from uh, Saugatuck, Michigan, and it's Bonfire Brown, a brown ale. They say it's got a hint of smoke to it, which maybe if I had a better uh, palate, but I just taste brown ale, and that's good enough to me fucking delicious sagatog hasn't let me down yet they're pretty a uh, good brewery i like them and yeah their hot streak continues have you ever had the uh samuel adams bonfire no okay i wanted to know because i haven't I had, had too many samuel adams now well, that I think see about it. back in the day that was like the craft beer because it was kind of the thing before craft beer was a craft beer, like Michigan craft beer and whatnot. So we're talking about, you know, go back to the 
early 2000s, late 90s type deal, right? That's, and I was wondering where back in the day was. That's a yeah, very loose scale. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I, I, I put a disclaimer. There was an <laughs> asterisk there, right? But the reason I asked was because that was the worst beer I've ever had in my life, and I haven't tried another bonfire. Because why do of you that shit beer. on everything that I love, DC? No, 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 no. I, I was. The, my point was, I'm guessing that one's no. good. Yeah. And I would want to try it, but I'm scared because of what Samuel Adams did to me. You you got PTSD of like yeah, breweries do. letting you down do. in the past. I, like, I can't let you break my heart again. <laughs> I set up these walls, Sagatuck, and I won't let you crumble them down. It tastes like Bud Light soaked with uh, sausage, smoked sausage, <laughs> soaked in. <laughs> I don't know. That just sounds like a that sounds like a barbecue in a glass. Like that sounds smoked sausage and Bud Light. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Today we also got the studio audience. Uh, D, what you got to drink, man? Uh, I got some Miller Light. You know. Miller fucking Light again. <laughs> nah, nah. He upgraded to the Angry Orchard. Oh yeah, some the angry apple orchard. cider. So, you know. <laughs> He's a rookie. We're we're breaking him in. Before we get started, I gotta make sure we take the time to thank Six Fo Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro. We gotta thank Cancer for letting us use his music in the mid roll. You can follow him on uh, Instagram, Six Fo Swaino. It's F O E. Follow us on Instagram at Bad Guy Podcast. Also, Bad Guy Podcast on TikTok, and then we're on Twitter at the Bad Guy Pod. So now we're gonna get back to part two of Chester Campbell. So we left off, he had uh, kind of established himself as a go-to powerhouse, as Detroit Muscle or Hitman, and was also making a ton of money from he ain't no basic prizes. He ain't no basic bitch, Hitman. <laughs> he's, only, he's that high end. He teamed up with Usher, right? Yep, okay, Frank okay. Usher. So he left off with a you know tag team, double duo, death match, basically. Oh, Frank and Chester, <laughs> the most unassuming killers ever. So as his skill set grew, so did his notoriety. Police knew of him and his activities, but no matter how hard they looked, they could never pin anything on him. So through this period of time, he was suspected of and directly connected with 10 murders, but were unable to secure enough evidence to bring charges on any of them. So some law enforcement's put those numbers as high as 100. So like I said, he had a real hard time with witnesses even police like a lot of police were like uh just leave him be you know scared to snitch well i mean when you start chopping off balls you set that uh precedent (laughs) i mean that's when people don't want to fuck with you no more i mean it makes your job a hell of a lot easier it's one of those things like how many people do you kill like i don't know a hundred because you can't say no bullshit ass number because then he'll come after you you know what i mean he's all about the the statistics february 6 1975 He's driving his 75 Oldsmobile 98 Regency down Orchard Lake Road through Kego Harbor. <laughs> it's like 30 miles outside of Detroit. And, and uh, let's not overlook the year 75. He's driving a 75 whip, so hot, <laughs> fresh out the kitchen. Well, I threw it in there because it's 98 Oldsmobile. I don't know any of you that remember Old Public Enemy, 98 mm-hmm. Oldsmobile's bulletproof mm-hmm. and shit. <laughs> so it's my, one of my favorite big cars. Look, Public Enemy told me it's bulletproof. It's got to be badass. <laughs> when has Flavor Flayed ever lied? Never. <laughs> I actually think it was Chuck D that said it, but either way. 
so I was going to say you guys know that area, which no, nobody listening does. But this is uh, this is far out from Detroit. So and it's like uh, two lane roads, you know, mm-hmm. like long winding two lane roads. And uh, he swerves and nearly sideswipes an oncoming police car flying down this fuck. It's three in the morning and he's hauling ass. I could that imagine fucker too. came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine how dark it probably is. Nowadays, they still don't have like a lot of street lights and stuff. So I could only imagine back in 1975 how dark it was on those, you know, small lanes. And it's easy, like, especially if you're a person easily blinded by, like, oncoming traffic, it's a nightmare driving out there. Well, and it's 3 in the morning. The record doesn't show it. He's probably on something, yeah. like, under the influence <laughs> somehow. Hey, a little sippy sip. How dare you, sir? That's hearsay. Uh, so- I won't go by this defamation of his character. I, I will say this only because you brought that up. I heard some people say that like his thing was women and sometimes some weed. Mm-hmm. But I also heard somebody say he liked scotch. So mm-hmm. he wasn't like a huge partier, you know, but he liked to, you know. I mean, that's he a good combination. Sure. That's yeah. a good combination. A little bit of weed uh, with some scotch and yeah. shit. With some women in him. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds like a fucking party. I get you. <laughs> These messages have been Duke approved. <laughs> and at the time, I had bumping Otis Redding on an 8-track. Nice. <laughs> He's so, just sitting by the dock of the bay, baby. Yeah. Wasting that's, time. That's probably why he almost sideswiped the fucking police car. Yeah, just kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's hard to see. Fucking, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> they said he immediately bounced out and tried to like take off. Cops turned around, chased him down. He he ran for a minute, but they eventually pulled him over. And uh, when they get up, I don't know, because I, I read a book and watched a documentary. Either they pulled him over, or when they pulled up, he was already pulled over and was out of the car. But either way, they said he looked like it looked like a traveling salesman's car. You know, he's he's out there in a suit. He's always in a suit. And uh. Because they just had like a messy car. It looked like somebody that worked in their car. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, some traveling salesman working out in his car. Hell of piss uh, bottles in the backseat. <laughs> he was a, uh, he was like the old kind of, school glass bottles. <laughs> he was kind of a dick. You know what I mean? He was like short with them. So they look in the car and they spot a 1911 45 with scratched out serial numbers on the front seat. I think we've talked about this before, but that is by far my favorite pistol. I love oh. a 1911. It's still so good and smooth. In a way, me and you are the same, DC. There you go. That's the go-to. It is. Well, fucking Dr. Death loved it enough to have it riding shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 he had, like, a few minutes running from the cops to, like, hide that. Like, put it in the glove compartment or something, dickface. What are you doing? <laughs> and I must say, I don't have any with the serial number scratched off. Just for the record for anybody listening. Good cover, bro. Good cover. <laughs> um... He did have kind of stuff all over the car, so I feel like maybe at one point, maybe it was cleaned up a little bit when he swerved, like maybe <laughs> everything flew all over, because it said his car, they said it was like, it was cluttered, but it wasn't like messy, but there was stuff everywhere. Or he was fucked up off that single malt and forgot it was there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. With the, kind with, of money was, with the kind of money he was making back in the day, how do you not have a stash box? I mean, they were doing that in the 70s, right? Yeah. You're driving out of Kego Harbor. You're making, you know, fucking a million dollars a year, and you don't have a stash box. When you're in the your most 88? feared man in Detroit, 
You don't need no stash box. You're the Undertaker. See, come on. Now. He gets out of all these crimes, all this shit, gets away with all these murders. He gets pulled over once with the gun and thing. Now we're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. Does he know what he's doing? He has 140 IQ. Come on. Like, it's not Duke, about all the shots you make. It's about Duke's the, the one standing. you miss. Come on. So, yeah, they're like, well, hey, we got to arrest you and get this uh, gun. And, uh,. So they take the gun and now they can search the car because they've got this 45 and the serial numbers are scratched out. So they search the car. They find a 25 and it was like this old, like a night. It was from like the year 1920 something. And it was like this rare gun that you couldn't really chase the ballistics on it because it was like they don't make them no more. It's just this old mm. piece of shit gun. So that also had the serial number scratched out on it. There's like little stashes of money, like money in the glove box, money in the Souter Council. He ended up having like it was like almost four thousand dollars in different little stash spots all over the car. <laughs> I just see this as a cartoon. Like there's just like dollar bills like sticking out the cracks in the seats <laughs> and shit. Like just they did make it sound like that. They're like there's money everywhere. There's just all different spots all over the place. You know he was missing, and I think Duke mentioned something about encyclopedias earlier. He should have kept a set of encyclopedias in his back seat. So then he could have truly said, oh, I'm a traveling salesman. This is for protection, right? All he needed was the Encyclopedia Britannica, which young people won't know what that means, but everybody older knows no. what it means. <laughs> everybody older knows what it means. <laughs> so then once they search him and his car, they found shells. And they said it was weird. It's kind of this loosely, uh, like, assorted shells in places so they had a 45 25 32 and a 12 gauge wow Jeez. a double odd buck so they're just finding like different shells for different calibers so buckshot, just, buckshot, they're, buckshot. Yeah, they're just pulling out like ammos and hundred dollar bills just like just reaching their hands and they don't know what they're pulling out like just and they found two things of heroin like also stashed in different <laughs> oh, spots damn so he's got oh, some heroin here some heroin damn. there those were like those random like bonus squares <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker hit Park Avenue. Like, oh shit, a heroin this time. Ounces. <laughs> so they got all this shit, but they're like, so they're like, all right, we'll open the trunk. And he's like, I'm not gonna open my trunk. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know all the shit that's in there. <laughs> you thought the back seat was wild. Jackpot. <laughs> and uh, you can see the dollar bills and just gun barrels sticking out of the trunk as they approach it. So he's like, well, no, I don't want to talk. I'm gonna talk to my lawyer. And you can't open my trunk. So they arrest him and they tow in his car. And they get a warrant based on, they're like, well, look, we got a 45 and we got a 25 and we got those shells. We got this shotgun shell. So we want to, oh, we want a warrant to open the trunk because we think there's a shotgun. shotgun in there. Well, the pure fact that they searched his entire car, but then when it comes to the trunk, he's like, whoa, wait. You don't want to look in there. Like, he was fine with them finding all these guns, all this other shit. He's like, no, you don't even want to know. So they get the warrant, and they go in his <laughs> trunk. And uh, when they opened the trunk, like, it was the trunk, and then it was covered in blankets. So then you'd have to go through the blankets, and then everything else was packaged and, like, individually wrapped and stuff. But they found a lever, lever action 44 Magnum rifle. Sawed off shotgun with a 15 inch barrel, and it was only 27 inches total. So it had the the handle was shaved off to a mm -hmm. pistol grip. They had a police scanner, shoulder holsters for the handguns. They found a, a sealed classified grand jury transcripts. 
She's got guns, electrical equipment, documents, transcripts. He's got a couple uniforms back there. A couple yard tools in the back. A bag of fertilizer. He had a pair of high-power binoculars. Uh, he had flash bars and films for Polaroid camera and dozens of notebooks. Damn. Let me see here. Bugs, you know what a pol- Polaroid camera is? Come on, man. <laughs> hey, history repeats itself. Polaroid cameras are in right now. They're, they're in. See, they're I wouldn't in. even know that. They're, they're in right now. Are they for real? I wouldn't know yeah, that. Damn. We, I got, I got me college dorms, <laughs> you take pictures. They come out, you shake them, even though you're not supposed to. You shake them, you yeah. post them up on the wall, you have a whole wall full of Polaroid pictures. Wow. I well, did like not your know boy Andre said, you shake it like a Polaroid picture. Exactly. I did not know it was back. It's, yeah. That's a that thing. Was, that was the big thing back in the day, because you had that that was instant. If not, once you took the pictures, you had to take them somewhere and send the, send the uh, little film off to get developed and it would like take you weeks to get your pictures back and you don't even yeah. know how good they were or if they're blurry or not until you get them all back you're like oh that's shit that's shit. that's a good one i guarantee <laughs> you i can find you three of those polaroid cameras mm-hmm. upstairs right now nice and you know what now that you laid out all of the shit now that his notebook his binoculars all that shit's in the car it makes sense that his car is such a mess and look like a salesman's car because that's like a stakeout car that's like detectives on a stakeout there's just ho-ho rappers and fucking empty chinese (laughs) things empty notebooks and um he was headed out to that's where his girlfriend lived Mm. so she lived in orchard park so she he was on his way out to his girlfriend's house almost made it you know she can't get away with cheating on that motherfucker (laughs) like he has notebooks of her whereabouts and shit are those his actual notebooks or is it just yeah that's them that's why i see it's got they're all numbered and stuff because i said there's dozens of them so even though he had all these guns and all this crazy shit, the notebooks kind of is what caused the most fuss, made the most press, made the people most nervous. Mm-hmm. So in these notebooks, they're all full. He had detailed information. They had names, phone numbers, addresses, license plate numbers, descriptions, and routines for police officers, judges, districts attorneys, uh, mob bosses, drug dealers, prosecuting attorneys uh he had locations of government witness uh witnesses places that were drug stash houses <laughs> see he should have went full nerd and invented his own code that they couldn't decipher and then he would have been good like if he would have used everybody's nicknames and shit then nobody would have known what any of that meant he only has a 140 not a 160 <laughs> iq okay then yeah he's gotta get on that super genius level <laughs> He did have some stuff that was written in code, so there'd be, like, sections, and there'd be stuff written in code next to it. Oh, shit, so he is, he's close, he's up to, like, 155 now. Is that the Duke prediction right (laughs) Yeah, that's the prediction. (laughs) Duke predictions. (laughs) In one of the notebooks, there was a list of, like, 13 names, and 10 of them were unsolved murders. And then one was like wow. a prosecuting attorney and somebody else. And then they had to tell this guy like, hey, so we found this guy with this notebook, right? See this list? Everybody else is dead. <laughs> See, <laughs> if like, I was fuck. his defense attorney, I would go Batman defense. No, he's marking down all these crooked cops because he's trying to clean up the city. All these unsolved crimes, he's trying to solve them. That's what he's doing. See all these notes? 
He's trying to break through these cases. That's a good spin. I like that. He's been a Dr. Death fan since the beginning. (laughs) Well, really, I'm just a Chippendales fan. And at this time, he's a Rescue Ranger. Sometimes, some crimes. You know the rest. That's like an all-time great uh, cartoon song. Oh, yeah. Hands down. It's no DuckTales. Oh, I walk around my house singing that all day. 1985, bitches. (laughs) Hell yeah. Another big thing that they found from the notebooks was that he had access to what was called Lean, which was Michigan's law enforcement information network. So it just, oh, I thought he was sipping on that syrup, son. Double cup. <laughs> so it's this thing that's like Lean. It's like specifically for different police agencies to be able to communicate with each other, and you're mm-hmm. supposed to have like restricted access for it. And uh, it was just started in. 67 so it was fairly new you know it was only like eight years old and he had all this stuff in there we're like dude so he has access to like internal police files he's like a one-man mob like he has all the infrastructure and everything of like an entire mafia family but it's just him (laughs) just him well i mean technically this is how good his little teamwork is because we're not hearing like so-and-so like we heard he teamed up with this frank guy but we're not hearing all this Frank came through and did this and that. They're so secretive that, yeah, people are just taking out witnesses for him. We don't know who. They're like that group of wraiths that are chasing Frodo through the whole thing. <laughs> like, it's not just one of them. There's like a whole group of these motherfuckers. So he fights this case until 1977. Like, well, he goes to jail, first of all. They, they send him straight there. They, they raise his bond to where he, they're like, well, no, you're not getting out. <laughs> we can't do that. He's like, wait, wait, wait. I thought I'd just get to be free till the case is done. That's not how this works. So he fights it. And by 1977, he gets off on, he doesn't get in trouble for any of the other stuff, the notebooks, anything like that. But ultimately, he can't fight the gun and drug charges. Mm. And he gets convicted on those. And he gets sent back to Jackson Prison. I thought about putting Jackson Prison back on, back on, on the PowerPoint <laughs> and doing it again. We're I should have. I'm sorry, Ms. <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> now, this time in prison, he spent most of his time filing legal motions and filing for lawsuits. Um, he filed 14 lawsuits against the court over the next nine years. He like sued the IRS and won. Wow. Because they stole like $296,000 from him, but what was Mm -hmm. fucked up was, so that's like a quarter million dollars, right? Uh And he fought it while he was in prison, and he wouldn't even get out then. So that wasn't even when he thought he could ever get out, but he's just like, well, I still at least want my fucking money. It's my money, and I want it now. (laughs) Well, ultimately he won, but the IRS was still like, well... All right, we'll get it to you when we get it to you. (laughs) Fuck you, you're in prison. Okay, cool. We'll get on that. And then the IRS agents were found dead. But I guess he just pretty much was a a good prisoner the rest of the time. He just focused up and uh, acted right. And uh, he was denied parole in 1980, but he got released in 1984. And he immediately returned to work as a freelance hitman. (laughs) <laughs> man does not learn well of course would be good in prison they, nobody would want to mess with him well not That's only true. that but he seemed like he's a well behaved individual like he's always wearing suits goes to high class places yeah he's, yeah, he's not he's a high class but he he's smells high class good. <laughs> like so far he's not out on the streets just beating people up doing shit it's only high class shit so if he like, wasn't high class it wouldn't be okay Oh. Well, it wouldn't that he wouldn't be okay, but he would be more misbehaving in prison and shit. 
Oh. We're not talking about morals. We're talking he's about a, what's the guy a good prisoner. He's a model prisoner. <laughs> what are we arguing here? Um, I did say it would come back earlier, and I forgot. But yeah, some of the other stuff that was in this, because I listed all the criminal items. But he also had he had his razor, his toothbrush, hair dye, like just all of his toiletries. He had foot powder, baby powder, extra cologne. <laughs> so yeah, he had his whole mob life in there. Mm-hmm. But he could just pull up anywhere and fucking come out like. Polished and clean. Uh, a Buick 98. 98 old. He had Buick. to go see the ladies. He had to make sure he was right. Yeah. Well, also, like I said, that was that stakeout material. He's living out of his car. So he's got all of his office equipment, his armory, and his toiletries. All that shit. He's probably got a grocery section in the back. He's got everything. <laughs> now he goes back out on the street. Most of his old associates, they're all dead and in jail. So Murder Row, once he went to jail... There was a guy, it was Frank Usher, and then the guy, his rival's name was Doc Holliday. I forget what his real name was, but that was like a street name. And uh, they got in some beef where Frank Nitty's top three lieutenants got killed and decapitated. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was like some real gory shit. And uh, so Murder Row, like once Cheshire was gone, Murder Row falls apart. So now he's back on the street and all none of his people are out there. He's just by himself. And uh, like... Being an OG didn't mean shit no more. It's like the eighties. Like mm-hmm. he's like sixteen year old sixteen year olds would shoot you. Like yeah. on the street. Like, fuck you, old man. <laughs> yeah. You know, like dude, I just got I'm like the baddest hitman in said, what, eighty five? Um let me see, he gets out in eighty four, yeah. Eighty four, so yeah, you're you're talking about so far away from now. You're talking about what what's about to start if it hasn't started yet is the whole crack scene. Yeah. And uh, Detroit was a whole different ball game than the heroin game and whatnot. He got out there, he's like, Psh, is Chester going to have to castrate a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> so he figures the first thing he do is take whatever money he has left and shit, which isn't a much because now, you know what I mean, he's got his house in Ivan- on Ivanhoe and some shit like that. So he just scrapes up what he can and decides he's going to upgrade his spy equipment and his disguises and his firearms and stuff. <laughs> he immediately starts building the Batcave. Yeah. Let's get one more time. I'm telling you, like, it was, it's almost like a flip of the coin that he could be a Batman vigilante. Like, if he just went on the other side, he would be the world's greatest detective. Yeah. Just side note really quick. I just decided to look it up because I was curious. Yeah, they said the crack epidemic hit Detroit in 84. So right as he was getting out. Not only has the all the players changed, it's a whole different drug game and everything else. Yeah, heroin ain't the drug yeah, of choice not, no it's more. Not the thing anymore. It's crack. Like, get that old shit out of here. <laughs> Once again, some high IQ from DC. I try to do what I can. So, which says both the players and the game have yeah. changed. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so what do you do? Everything's new, right? Well, we need to get better spy equipment. <laughs> we need to really get at it. We need better rifles. Better fucking. Got to get rid of the eight train. They got cassette tapes now. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm all with it. This man is a constant rock in a sea of change. Like he's like sticking with who I am. The environment might be different. New shit. But I know the girl that got me to the dance. And I'm a dance with her to the night's done. We're going to yeah. boogie. Yeah. That's true. I'm getting funky with it. And you don't funk with the man's groove. His never get old, so I agree. Yeah. And he, he does reestablish himself as a reliable enforcer. I mean, he's not the he's not the gangster he used to be. It says he there was a quote, he's no longer the most feared man in Detroit. And he didn't like that also. Like, he really liked the swagger. He didn't want to be like this lesser guy. Like, no, I'm Dr. Death. 
I mean, in all honesty, if you were known as that dude, if all of a sudden people weren't as afraid of you, that would that really chap your ass. Scuffs your tins, yeah. (laughs) He turned to Al Bundy like, listen, I had four touchdowns in the game, poke high. Like, we don't care about none of that shit. So he starts uh, trying to make a new name for himself. And in 1985, he was in a service station. I think it was his service station, like in the lobby reading a paper. And, 1985. Uh, oh, yeah. They shot up his service station. He got shot four times in the leg and once in the head, but it kind of grazed his head. Damn, that leg is taking a lot of fucking hits. <laughs> like, he's probably more pissed than anything. Like, when he got the headshot, he's probably relieved. Like, finally. Um, I did see a thing one time. Well, one of the things I, I seen said, like, if you look at his, like, his prison file, like, it's tattoos is none, but noticeable scars. Like, it's a giant section because it was, like, most of his body. So he gets rushed to the hospital. They had to do surgery on him for 11 hours. And he gets out, and he's like, yeah, fuck it, I'm still in. Yeah. I just love this shit. Okay, I gotta be better. They don't respect me. Like, I think they would definitely not do that to Dr. Death. Like, I got to show these motherfuckers. So, you know, he's just out doing his gangster thing, and uh, the FBI fucking hates him. You know, so he's just been in and out of prison and on and off. And he probably cases. loves that. He's like, finally, someone respects me. Like, he's probably happy that they take him as a serious threat. Well, and I, I guess I kind of, I kind of yada yada through some of the court stuff because, uh, like, you could read Christian Cipollini's book because he gets a lot more into it. There's a lot of stuff that, like, where he'd sometimes beat a case, like they catch him on some little heroin thing and he just beat it because of some technicality, or you know, there's a a murder trial and the witness disappears and shit, that kind of thing. And uh, save that nerd shit for another podcast. Whatever, <laughs> fucking court procedural. St. People's Court. Right. When's the next murder happening? Yeah. Let's find out what the fuck's in this man's trunk. You're no historian. Come on. You're no stenographer. So the FBI, the DEA, they come up with a plan to get Chester Wheel off the streets. They're like, hey, for real this time. Let's do this and let's get real serious. <laughs> Before we were fucking around, but seriously, you guys, let's gather up all the lettered groups. The DEA, FBI, CIA, <laughs> the lean, other things. Let's bring NASA into this. This time, they did have three groups. So it was the FBI, the DEA, and the Detroit Police were all fucking. They put together I a task force. I prefer DPD. A DPD, yeah. So they put together this task force, and they follow them around for a couple years. And then finally, they think, like, all right. After a year of tracking this guy, we might finally get something. We might get this shit. Well, it's hard, because he would probably track them in reverse. It was, like, reverse tracking. They would just keep on going around the block <laughs> following each other. <laughs> Like, he, I don't know, he switched two cars, we actually, at one point, we switched into each other's car. <laughs> we, we just switched cars. I don't, I don't think this game plan is working. At one point, we traded notes. <laughs> um, July 22nd, 1987, he's pulling out of his driveway. As soon as he pulls out of his driveway, they surround him, arrest him, pull him out of his car. They got warrants, so they raid his car and his house. And it's like the same thing over again. They got fucking... There's there's bills sticking out the back of picture frames and shit. There was. So there's money all over the place. There's drugs all over the place. There's guns all over the place. With no serial numbers. Yeah. 
He's got fucking spy equipment and disguises. He's got like IDs for like one of his favorite ones was Augustus Miller from Cleveland, Ohio. He just has like different and like he like made up characters with backstories and shit. He just that's going to be one of my aliases now, Augustus Miller from Ohio. <laughs> I'm about to make all the profile, all the social medias. Augustus, <laughs> have Augustus if you know, you know. <laughs> Um, he had an actual police uniform with a real badge. It's like, yeah, same thing. This time he had a bunch of explosives too. And, uh, so like, God damn, dude, just don't fucking learn. Do you? So they arrest him. And this time he decides he wants to represent himself in court. I'm the best lawyer for this job. You know how many yeah. books I read to do this? I mean, he got himself out of jail in the past. Fuck it. He sticks with what he knows and he knows <laughs> that he can do lawyer shit he knows the law yeah so it doesn't go well <laughs> correction he doesn't know the law <laughs> no his problem is he knows the law but he's a dick <laughs> so he's like real cocky like he just kind of had his aura of like i'm the smartest guy in the room and uh he had a gold toothpick that he would always have with him, so he's in court representing himself. Why are we just now hearing so about the gold right. toothpick? That is the coolest shit. That ever. is so gold toothpick. I mean, I'll be honest here, spoiler for when we get to the end. I'm a Chester Wheeler fan. <laughs> gold toothpick? Bullshit spoiler right alert. Yeah. I've been saying you're a Chester Wheeler fan since the beginning. I tell you what, if I was the judge... You put that gold toothpick up as bond? Oh, you're out the door. Right now. <laughs> Hell yeah. You want bailiff? Undo his cuffs. Wonder if I can get one of those on Amazon. Now I want one. Hell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on Wish. <laughs> on Wish, right? It'd be a copper toothpick. <laughs> and uh, the judge told him on point that he's like, hey, you can't represent yourself. That's stupid. And he's like, no, I want to. And like the judge is trying to call him out. And he's like, no, I want to do it. And then he argues with the judge. And he knows what. Well, he knows what he's talking about, and that makes it worse, you know, and uh, he gets found guilty on all charges, yeah. and the judge sentences him to the max of 40 years in prison. Mm. It sounds like that judge was bullshit. It sounds like he was just mad that he schooled him. Like, he just didn't like the fact he knew more than him. Fuck that judge. Hit like, that gavel noise real quick. <laughs> Once again, release the transcripts. <laughs> Is, is there is there not a rule? Fuck, there's not a rule against the golden toothpick. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Every day I gotta watch this guy with his golden toothpick in my goddamn courtroom. If you I got a gold you. toothpick, you must acquit. But he gets sentenced to FCI Oxford in Wash in Wisconsin. He did his time there. He's same thing. He spent a lot of time uh, suing other, you know, trying to get money back. He would he would basically, I think, is what he just did for fun. So. <laughs> Even if he couldn't get out, he'd try and sue you for some money or get some of his money back or just fight a detail. Like, he, he fought this one thing for a long time where at one on one document they said PCP. And he's like, I've never had PCP. And they're like, yeah, but you had, like, four guns <laughs> and explosives and, you know, like, he's like, yeah, but why would that say PCP? Right. Like, and now he just wants to fight this forever <laughs> until at some point they're like, he's right. Can we? What do we got to do? How do we fix this? Once again, I'm not against it. Give him three honey buns, he'll shut up. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's a big difference between having shotguns and rifles and shit and having PCP. Like, fuck that. I want that shit off my record. 
I had never had no PCP. <laughs> That's fucking heroin. I don't know it's heroin. <laughs> Gate ain't never been about that shit. Yeah, I'm right with that. <laughs> like it's not like they threw an extra gun on there. It's not like PCPs out of nowhere. Don't like destroy my name. Yeah. <laughs> we have two rifles, a shotgun, a bunch of dollar bills, PCP, a revolver. Like wait, whoa, wait, whoa. wait. Whoa. Hold on. <laughs> The heroin, yeah, that was mine. That's cool. <laughs> so, he ended up dying in prison on May 28, 2001. He died of liver failure due to complications from hepatitis C. They found him on a bench. He had notebooks like, Johnny missed three shots today. <laughs> so, that's the story of Chester Wheeler. So, say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. So you guys haven't seen a picture of him yet. Before we look at some pictures of him, if we were going to cast a movie about Chester Campbell, who would you cast to play him? I so, think Bugs is very excited to go. From the beginning, instantly, have you guys seen Criminal Minds? Yes. Uh, Sherman. Shermar Moore. Moore. Yes. I have a. I pulled up a picture, just no. in case you're unfamiliar. That's who I think would represent Chester. Yeah, I don't. I go with the pseudo. Do, boo! <laughs> pseudo audience doesn't agree. All right. You got someone? Not quite yet. I do know that I don't agree with that pick. That just is not who I had in my mind. I can't wait till this picture comes up. I'm what sorry. about you, DC? You got a guess? Yeah, pretty much. Just based on what we heard in the beginning, the first person that popped in my head that kind of to me seems like a unassuming character, but you. You could easily see this person having a dark side is Cuba Gooden Jr. And I think he fits about that profile that you described. You know, he seems like he's roughly about that five ten ish height, about 200 mm-hmm. built. Um, I think especially in his younger years, a lot of ladies would describe him as a nice, young, nice looking man. So Cuba Gooden Jr. is what popped into my head. Mine would be cliche, but. I like Denzel only because, for a couple reasons. For one, because he's at an age, because a lot of his shit started after 39, like from 39 up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He did 13 Mm -hmm. years in prison right off the beginning. So Mm -hmm. most of the story, he was an older guy. And Mm -hmm. Denzel's kind of one of those guys that can play up and down in age range. And he's right around that height. And the equalizer's kind of like... I mean, the Equalizer is kind of like that dude. I, I mean, you can never go wrong with Denzel. Right. You know, I mean, so, that's not really I mean, going yeah, out on a limb. Like, but, yeah. well, that's why I want to explain it, because I'm not just saying Denzel, because, I mean, clearly Denzel can play that <laughs> fucking role. Yeah, of course. I'm just saying, like, he's literally kind of playing something like that role. See, I almost think Denzel's son could do it. Because he's been in a lot of good things. He's oh, a good-ass yeah. actor. Yeah. He hasn't played a villain like that, though. That's why I was also thinking the guy from... Um, he plays Kang now in the MCU, but he was also in Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't think of his fucking name, though. I didn't know those. But those um, I thought he could play it, but he also... He, he has that hero sensibility to him, so I don't think he could play someone called Dr. Death. But I think uh, Denzel's son, who is it, Isaiah Washington? Yeah, is that the name? John David Washington. Oh, John David Washington. Is there someone? Because Isaiah Washington is popping in my head like this. I'm, I'm terrible with me. But uh, either way, I think, uh, I think he could do it. 
And I think it would be a good role for him to play a villainous character like a Stone Cold I, Killer. I, I agree, but he's a smaller guy, though, I believe. Well, nah, he's not small. And I mean, he can definitely play bigger. He's definitely the big action guy and played intimidating in, um, not Inception, but the other Christopher Nolan one where they went back, Tenet. That's like an action movie where he plays like, not CIA, but like a government operative sort of situation. Either way, it's an action movie and he gets into some fight scenes and he can play intimidating. Okay, I'll have to check it out. The guy that played King the Conqueror is Jonathan Majors. Yeah, Jonathan Majors. Like I said, I, I like him. I think he could play it, but I don't know if I trust him to feel like that intimidating hitman per se. I think uh, Washington's got it. All right, so here's uh, some of these pictures of Chester Campbell. Oh, shit, and Cuba Gooding takes it. Yeah, I think Cuban Cuba Gooding. could definitely play that. I mean, in terms of looks, I still don't know if Cuba can play, if I take him as, like, a serious hitman. I think he could pull it off. He has a lot of range. I heard he's, like, his. a dickhead in real life. Like, there's a lot yeah. of stories where that yeah, dude's, like, I a douchebag dick thing. in real life. I think... Uh, that's like one of the most gangster looks I've ever seen on a podcast. That does not look like a guy that's happy his picture taken. I think um, Terrence Howard would play him. Terrence Howard? Yeah. yeah. Terrence Howard could play a, He has a wide range. He's got also. that dead eye look to him, too. You know what, man? I feel you. <laughs> That'd be the part. And like, that sounds good, but like in the actual movie, he would ruin it by doing some weird some, dumb shit. Some soft ass. Make, making some acting choice. Like, yeah. God damn it, why are you acting so hard, dude? Motherfucker, I, I told don't mean you acting to... hard. I mean, you're trying so hard to act more. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, I told you there's no such thing as zero. That's another picture. He's a big guy, though. Yeah. yeah. You can tell he's a big guy. Yep, that 17 and a half neck. <laughs> you definitely see it. <laughs> we, we forget about the neck. And this is like a... Don't forget the neck. All right, so now we got to do the DEFCON scale. The standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1, 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. On the Bad Guy Podcast, there's no good guys. So 5 would be Lee Murray, who's your drug dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And one would be the purple gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they kill people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the purple gang, where would you rate Chester Campbell? Duke has him at a five. Okay, anybody else? <laughs> DC predictions, real quick. Uh, I know y'all are going to have a deep, detailed explanation. However, I'm giving him a two. I feel like if he was caught and stopped at his early ages, a five. Because that's where he's at. He was at the heroin selling. He was low. a burglar. Exactly. He liked to burgle. He'll hit the same spot twice. Very low <laughs> yeah, yeah. bottom guy. It was but before the, he got addicted to notebooks. At the end, I feel like he was up there. Like Murder Row, the hits, the traveling hitman. Plus, on top of all of the like, drugs he sold, the intimidation that he carried, I'm giving him a two. I like that. I'm a row of bugs. I think a two is warranted. I try to reserve my ones for like, I don't always do this, but I try to reserve for like really crazy people. And he seemed more like the, you know, as Duke would say, it's just business, you know? And we don't really have the numbers of how many bodies, but for him to be loaned out to people, 
you know he has to have a lot of bodies, right? So even though it wasn't kind of described here, that always makes it a little bit easier to point. It's not there, but we know there's a lot of bodies. But it didn't seem like just this crazy go out there and kill everybody or, you know, a couple of people we had is blowing up buildings and stuff. It was really precise contract hits. So for that reason, I don't give him a one, but I will give him a two. Well, I tell you what. Five. <laughs> no, lock. Uh, with all due respect, <laughs> fuck your vote because it's a unanimous two. No, I'm right with you. It's a two, and for all the same reasons you guys said, it's uh he definitely is more three's middle ground, and he's a step above that. And he definitely he he commanded respect. He was that little extra to it. But as DC said, for me, it's it's all business, baby. Like there's a certain number to be a number one. It has to be everyone thinks you're going to murder them. You have to be almost a psychopath. Him, it was he didn't even do dumb street level shit. Exactly. It was high level kills. Well, not even high level, but like expensive kills. He took his time. Did. Like notebooks and shit. He wasn't just out here murdering people, but he did start a whole murder squad and he was a hitman for hire shit, so he was a bad guy. And he clearly put up mad numbers and shit and he was habitual. He loved it. He went, he could have not done it. He could have just ran businesses. He was a nerd. He had notebooks. He could have done a lot of shit. He liked fucking people up he liked being a killer but he did lack that just general that innate violence in him he didn't have that he was cool calm and collected so i gotta go with the two i could go with the two i was gonna go one but you know three to one is three to one this is sometimes a democracy if i agree with it so we can go with the defcon two take it to defcon two you heard that gentlemen defcon two all right. The primary resource I got for us was a uh, book's called Diary of a Motor City Hitman, the Chester Wheeler Campbell story by Christian Cipollini. Chrissy Soups. Chrissy Soups. And uh, there's a documentary on him, Scott Bernstein, who's another. Not only is he like uh, kind of a powerhouse in mob journalism or whatever, like he's like specializes in Detroit stuff, like the Purple Gang, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you could always look into any of their stuff. So Scott Bernstein and Christian Cipollini would be good resources. There's a really good documentary on them that's on reels. I definitely look at those. Before we go, you guys got anything? Very fun story. It's it's good to be back in the studio with y'all. Yeah. I I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's just it's good to be back in the studio doing one live. Have fun. You feel the vibe a little more when we're in the room together. Absolutely. Word. Well, I was editing an episode and I could hear it. So I have been editing a bunch of remotes because that's what I've been recording. And then I went back and recorded or started editing an older one that we had recorded live. And I could just hear like, man, that sounds fun. I seem to be having a good time. <laughs> so, I mean, the remote episodes are cool, but, you know. It's cool because I may or may not have to wear pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's just say hello to the bad guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Hey, the good guy.
die, come in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Down bad, my mama had to be dad. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Hey, hey. So I don't money grab the hundred hams. I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run and tell your big homie. First you meet your dead homie. Ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy come in last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy, come in last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. 